I am often asked how I choose guests for this podcast, and the answer is easy. I hear about very cool people in our city, and I invite them on. I've wanted to invite tonight's guest on since before I moved to Denver in 2017 and heard about Georgia, the pop-up art space our guest curates in a Denver alley. Yes, an alley. Isn't that cool on its own merit? Well, once I began digging a bit deeper into our guest's poetry, comedy, and drawings, she became that much more intriguing. In the year leading up to the 2016 presidential election, I began buying books of poetry and following poets on Twitter and Instagram. Mind you, I was not reading poetry. I was simply buying and following it. (laughs) I was what one would call poetry adjacent. Close enough to catch the cold, but non-committal. But just after the election, I knew I needed respite from the 24-hour news cycle. So I gave the poetry on my shelves and on my Instagram feed a try, since poet Nayira Wahid says poetry is the evidence that the heart thinks and the mind feels. One thing led to another, and my life began taking on a new rhythm, a new richness, a new joy not unlike the rhythm, richness, and joy Summer Browning's work brings to every person and community impacted by her art in its various mediums. I am Broderick Greer, a priest on staff at St. John's Cathedral, and I am joined by poet, comic, and art curator (laughs) Summer Browning. Please join me in welcoming her to Malhai Theology. Summer, thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you for having me. Um, so if you would, just tell us uh, what a day in your life looks like right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about 48 hours long. <laughs> um, it starts around 5 a.m. Um, I, I pack a lot into my life and my days. So um, I get up early, as early as I can, and try to finish the thing that I didn't get the day before done before Georgia wakes up, my child. Um, then we rush to school. I rush to work. I, I work at, um, Auraria Library. Um, I'm a librarian there and go pick her up, come home, make dinner, plan Georgia, try to read a little bit before bed. Um, I run a reading series as well. So it's a lot of emailing all day and coordinating, um, yeah, I try to write poetry whenever I can. I carry a notebook all the time and just scribble in it. Um, yeah, and uh, make tons of to-do lists in order to get all of that done and resolutions every Monday um, to be a better person and perfect and get everything worked out perfectly and um, <laughs> feel very guilty on Tuesday when it didn't happen. And, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm on the tenure track, too, so I have a couple of research um, agendas that I'm trying to follow. Um, One pertains very much to my work as a librarian, and I'm a tech services librarian, so very not interesting. I won't go into it. Um, um, But the other thing is um, how librarianship in visual art or librarianship in poetry or librarianship in creativity can kind of mingle and mix and what that looks Mm -hmm. like in the world right now. Amazing. Well, thank you for 
making Mile High Theology a part of your day today. Yes, you're welcome. Thanks. Um, so in 2017, you were interviewed in Westward Magazine in a series on 100 Colorado creatives in which you said that jokes are your creative muse. Can you say a little bit more about that, please? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I think humor um, is probably the most powerful form of language or rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Um I think you can bridge many gaps and differences of perspective and talk about the most heinous things um, and get people to laugh about them. Talk about your most private, scariest things and uh, be very vulnerable and invite people into that. I think it's a great mechanism for developing empathy. Um, Mm. So... All of that is very powerful to me, and I love that, and I think that's very akin to art of all kinds. Um, but then as a poet, that joke format, the the timing, the rhythm, the concision of how uh, short you know, and brief those jokes have to be, is just it's, that's what poetry is too. So um, a perfect joke is just as good as a perfect poem to me. Like, it gives me just as much joy, and it should open me up just as much, too, I think. Um, I think um, my favorite comedian is Richard Pryor, and Live on the Sunset Strip is, like, an absolute masterpiece of, mm. of, of poetry, of memoir, of humor, of performance. Um, I think about that, uh, that stand-up gig, like, all the time, actually. Um, and yeah, and you know, giving people like that, not just calling them comedians is just not giving them enough credit. You know, it's like a tremendous um, talent, and like I don't know, it's more than more than just making people laugh. You know, um, yeah. yeah. So I love jokes. I love humor so much. A confession to you, I guess, and to also everyone in this room and um, everyone who'll listen to this which is basically just my mom. Um, Sorry, mom. I I love you, mom, mama. Um, I had a goal, actually, of doing stand-up, like, one time before I turned 25. And that was, like, I'm not going to say how long ago that was. Um, And that did not happen. And it's funny because it's, like, I stand up in front of people all the time and talk. Um, preach and other things and nothing is scarier than actually being a comedian and like like having the goal of making people laugh mm-hmm. which is crazy mm-hmm. yeah you've never heard silence if you can hear silence like your joke bombing right <laughs> that def- just deafening silence yeah um well i'll have to take you to the squire sometime for open mic comedy yeah yeah you and i can do that that'll be fine uh-huh. i've done a stand-up a few times i kind of did it as a uh, test of myself mm-hmm. um so i got my start in uh, new york you know and wow. uh and i've then moved to Denver. Um, no, but I uh, I did it twice in New York. It was terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple open mics here. It just takes a lot of preparation. Um, it takes a lot of, I don't know, self-confidence. Just passion for it, I guess. Because yeah. you get a slot at uh, on Tuesday at 10 p.m., you know, and you have to take it, and you they give you three minutes. 
you know, and then you leave and that's your night. And it probably took hours of preparation for that. It's just what a rough life. Too much, too hard. And I've often thought about that comedians at their best are like our prophets of our culture Hmm. uh, because they, they have a way of telling the truth that is both disarming and empowering. I don't know. Maybe that's for another episode. Mm-hmm. I like that. There's a lot there, probably. So um, in 2017, when you did this interview, you founded Georgia Art Space. Um, please tell us about your impetus in creating it, uh, some of your past exhibitions at Georgia, and what you see for Georgia in 2019. Okay. Um, I... Uh, I... I have been getting more and more in love with visual art. I mean, I've been entrenched in the literary... I think I feel like I've grown up as a poet or something. Mm -hmm. I've done it for decades now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always run reading series wherever I go, whatever city I lived in, in Tucson and New York and um, Richmond. Um, And then I started one here. And I, I don't think I got tired of it or anything, but um, somehow some piece of me just started really paying attention to art and it just started speaking to me in a more alive way or something Hmm. than tired old poetry. Um, But I know you're going to make me read a poem later, so (laughs) pretend I didn't say that. Um, Sorry. I'm going to New York tonight to read poetry too, so. Oh, awesome. Um, But um, then I moved to um, a neighborhood right near the Santa Fe Arts District Mm -hmm. and I work right up the street, and I have this garage that's big and empty because I don't have much stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was talking with a friend and talking about how much I love art, and he's like, you should just start an art space in your garage. And I was like, that's stupid. (laughs) And then I was like, wait a second. That's a great idea. I could actually do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did it. And my first show was just my friend Josh Ware's work, and – it was fun and great, and a lot of poets came, but gradually more and more art- artists are coming. And I try to, I try to have um, the opening night have uh, maybe a film or maybe some music or something to try to get um, practitioners of different mediums together. Because uh, from my experience, you know, you run a poetry series, the only people that show up are poets. Um, you go to art opening, mostly artists there. So something to kind of bring everyone together. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely one of my impetuses or my my visions in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just organically and naturally growing. So people are either come to me or I find great artists on Instagram or something and I invite them to show. Um, so I don't have big plans for the space. Mm-hmm. I love that um, people can take risks there. So um, I had an artist, Adan De La Garza, I, um, invited him to mm-hmm. do an installation, and it was just basically 15 speakers in the dark garage that he had programmed this. He had written a composition, like a 15-minute long composition, soundscape kind of thing. Um, it was very loud. It was very cool, and he told me he doesn't get a chance to show that very often because you can't show it in a contemporary, um, not a contemporary, a commercial gallery. Mm-hmm. You know, museums aren't going to show things like that, so it was a kind of a space that he could use and take that risk or at least 
show off the kind of work he does. Wow. And that was really inspiring as I want to keep that kind of growing in an option for people who can't, you know, their art isn't sellable or something or mm. whatever the, you know, the current trends are or something. So it's another important piece for me. So, yeah, the, I don't have big plans for it. Mm-hmm. And um, my next show will be in May. Um, an artist named Mackenzie Urban, who's very young, um, she's going to do some installations in the space. And we'll see what happens next. I really like that you said that alternative spaces like Georgia can encourage risk. Can you say a little bit more about um, why you think people are, I mean, obviously you're on to something with what you're doing with Georgia. Um, What do you think people are hungering for when they are seeking out Georgia or, yeah, what do you think they're hungering for? Hmm. Or alternative spaces like Georgia. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what they're hungering for, but I mean, I know from my experience what happens in those spaces is um, definitely um, an acknowledgement of each other's personhood and humanity. You come Mm -hmm. there. It's like a party. It's also my home. So it has this intimacy Mm -hmm. quality. So it's like a house party. So there, you know, there's a couch in the backyard. There's space to actually converse and talk. You're not standing around this blisteringly bright white room, like drinking free wine and feeling uncomfortable. Um, so (laughs) I think that engenders, uh, relationship building Mm -hmm. and, um, I, and I think it makes people comfortable, and they, they talk about liking that aspect. Um, and so then I, too, hope it, you know, there's collaborations that are born from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important to take the money out of something, too, you know, and see what happens. Um, so, you know, we either pass the hat and, and give money um, that actually has never happened. I don't know why I said that. Um, <laughs> but I do have a little bin that's like, please reimburse the beer money that I spent. But um, uh, I tried to pass the hat once. Um, I forgot, though. I get really nervous at those openings. You know, it's just like no one's coming. You know, it's like it's like 7.03. Where is everybody? Yeah. Um, uh, but I feel that way about this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a great thing to do, and it feels good. And I've met so many people through it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's yeah, I love that low risk situation. Um, if it is a failure, I mean, I don't even know what that means because because yeah. just the action of somebody coming and putting up their work and me and them talking together uh, for me that's basically all I want kind of <laughs> um, so yeah amazing so it, I mean I know we joked about the poem earlier and I know <laughs> um, but I did write when I wrote this I think it's inappropriate to have a poet on the podcast and not ask her to share some of her poetry so if you would, um, there's a piece I asked you to share, if mm-hmm. you would share that with us. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's so good. Thank you very much. Um, that's from uh, my book, Backup Singers, here. This is my second poetry collection. Um, 
and it is in a section called Friend. Um, they don't have titles, um, but they are kind of dedicated to my friend Sam, who was very close to me. We were roommates. We um, kind of followed each other around across the country, a couple different cities, and um, summer I'm dying. I get this message on my phone in line at Rite Aid. Summer, I'm dying, you scream in my ear at the rock show. Summer, I'm dying, you write in closing on a postcard from San Francisco. Summer, I'm dying, it's my heart. Summer, I'm dying, can you feel this? Is it normal as we stomp through the snow to get cigarettes? Jesus woke up, but who muscled the boulder away? Some prince kissed the beauty, but who wrote it all down? Let's go to the mummy exhibition. Let's read aloud fear and trembling. Let's slow the flow through our carotid summer. I'm dying, present tense, subject, verb. The thinning blood vessel, the soft pulsating stone. Retina shriveled and rattling around in the skull. I can hear it when I jump. Then don't jump, I say. This. Yeah, why do you like that one, Broderick? <laughs> <laughs> Turning the tables. In, I think internally, I live in a very dark place. <laughs> oh. So, and and this is visceral. Um, this is I, I like it because of its visceral nature um, and the intimate nature. And I I didn't even have that context of it being about a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say, "Can you feel this?" Is it normal? It's such a humanizing duo of questions that I feel like we've all asked at some point um, existentially. Um, Can you feel this? Is it normal? Where does that question come from for you? Um, Yeah, probably a dark place. Probably (laughs) like a, a... Um, a yearning for connection, right? Is this normal? Does everyone feel this? Um, because, right, it feels so isolating. Feelings are so isolating, yeah. you know? They just feel very particular and and unique to you, and you think you're the only one suffering this way or things. Um, um, yeah, I, I wonder a lot of times, actually, if someone could have the precisely exact feeling exact feeling that you have had wow. and i wonder if that could ever happen the 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 right details all coalesce so that the exact feeling happens i don't know i don't know um you know you you hope that that happens and i think you do get glimpses of that from very good relationships you know um and close people um but yeah there's definitely that like please tell me if i'm normal please be here with me please validate you know, my experience. Um, Yeah. Yeah, in an emotional way and a physical way, because really, you know, you ask the doctor, like, is this normal? You know, you look up WebMD, is this normal? They're like, no, you're going to die in 20 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) It's not normal. Um, Yeah. You know, probably everything I've ever done is like somehow comes out of that... Mm. um, Am I, you know, who am I and are we, is there anyone out there who understands me space? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. I love that. I'm Broderick Greer, and I'm here with poet, comic, and art curator Summer Browning. What would you like to see from Denver's literary and art scenes this year? If you were just making all the decisions. <laughs> um, I, I, I think it's when I moved here eight years ago, you know, granted I was new and learning all about what was going on here. But um, what I have noticed is something that probably is just going to continue through 2019. It's very hopeful and great is, is more of these alternative art spaces, these, um, um, you know, um, art spaces and shows in people's homes, in their garages, um, uh, in their basements, um, even other things like um, art shows in parking lots, um, mm. like Black Cube did uh, a couple mm-hmm. times last year, I think. Um, and so that kind of outside of the normal tr- uh, gathering space, outside of the normal art world stuff is going on. And um, so that's not something I would like to see. I think we're just seeing that, so I'm glad about that. Um, I don't know, maybe more... A lot of times what I don't get is real deep... They don't have to be that deep. Conversations about people's art and what they're doing and maybe more intimate ways. Like, you know, if I go to artist talks or I go to poetry readings, um, you listen and then you leave. And I guess maybe that kind of meditating on some of that stuff. And I, I just learned about studio visits. Like, I don't know, I'm not of the art world. So a couple of years ago, I realized that artists they invite other artists to their studio and they talk about their own work like for a couple hours and share and show, show and tell. And um, Mm. we don't do that as poets really, you know? I mean, we get together and we drink a lot and we cry (laughs) and fight, but um, um, after you kind of leave school or something, we don't really talk deeply about the work that much, you know? Um, It would be nice to bring that back in. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I'm just kind of watching, just mm-hmm. kind of observing what's going on, doing my own thing that I think is meaningful and that I think is can, you know, um, move quickly to whatever other, I guess just what other people want and desire. You know, mm-hmm. it can kind of be malleable in that way too and fit in with them. And it's not some kind of, really static vision that I have, but it is moving and organic and changing all the time and mm-hmm. alive. And I guess I want to keep that going. So thinking about plans and what I expect and want from something, it's not, it doesn't jive with that, that kind of, uh, that, that way of running a space, you know? Yeah. yeah. I really Very like, rambly, I'm sorry. No, I like that. It, I like the idea, um, and I don't know how many of you are involved in work or, or have things that you do that are artistic. Um, 
but I guess in the same way of having feelings, like being a person who feels things, um, that can feel isolating, even though we know that we all have feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And also artistic endeavors can feel very isolating. So it, it's interesting to hear that that artists do that, that they invite other artists to come and see their work as they're in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I think preaching could really benefit from that. Uh-huh. You know, just inviting people into that process and seeing how they do it and you're on to mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are you working on and, and what should we keep our eyes peeled for um, in your own portfolio? Um, I'm working on, I've recently written a few really short essays, mm-hmm. I guess I would call them, but they have little bits of all sorts of things. Mm-hmm inside of them and it they were just so fun to write they were um kind of an exact like nanosecond photograph of what i was all the things that were kind of coalescing in my life at the moment mm-hmm. so that they're kind of fragmented um but it was great to write those things so i want to write more of those things i i wrote them for this literary journal called jacket 2 that's on the internet um, and I need to write another book, so mm-hmm. I have to like gather all my stuff and see what I have, and I'm I, I'm looking forward to that. But first, I have to get through tenure, so I have to turn all my tenure stuff in in September. Wow. So the day after that, I will start on all these other things. That's awesome. <laughs> so we'll keep our eyes peeled for September, October. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for being with us tonight. We'll we'll take questions for about five to ten minutes if anyone has any questions. Yes. So Mari, we've been to Georgia Art Space really mm-hmm. and I always keep meaning to ask you and I forget to ask you, did you have to get any permission? Did you have to go to the city? The city knows nothing about this, Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be sure that the city doesn't hear this podcast. <laughs> No, no, I don't. I mean, it's basically, I, I, in my mind, it's a house party, you know? And it's like somebody decorated it in there with okay. their art. Um, I, was just, I, just, I was mean to ask you, I just forget, like, yeah. do you have to get a permit or anything? No, I mean, I asked a kind of famous person to show art in there, and they said, do you have insurance? And I was like, no, I don't. And they're like, my gallery just won't do that, you know? And it was a long shot, um... So then I was like, oh, maybe there are some rules here. I, <laughs> um, I have one, one, one piece that I had uh, in there in uh, September was a piece by Eric Dallimore. And it's, um, I don't know, a dozen tall timbers that he had kind of shaved. And then he was in the garage sh- with a bow and arrow shooting arrows into them. And the garage was open and I was like, a cat ran past, and I was like, oh, my God, this is horrible. And then he dumps about 10,000 matches around all of it, and that was his piece. And he's, and, I, and it smelled like phosphorus or whatever matches are made out of. <laughs> and I was, like, so nervous. I was like, you know, this could go up like that, and I don't know. I mean, the insurance company is not going to reimburse me, you know, for that. They're like, that's your own dang fault. And... um 
Yeah, so I don't know. I kind of don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if anyone gives me a hard time, which, you know, it only has happened once that there was a kind of unruly patron. I didn't even kick him out, and I should have. But I can always be like, this is my house and my property, and you got to go, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But so far, it's been fine. I love that. And that last question for those who are listening was, does the city know that this is happening, (laughs) basically? Yeah, exactly. Does summer have to have a permit? And you just heard a great answer. (laughs) Any other questions? Yes. This is a library question. Do you know this um, archiving uh, philosophy or system called the continuum? The continuum? Yeah. No. It sounds interesting. It's really fascinating. <laughs> is it new? You're saying that about the relationship between um, library work and poetry and, and art and all that, I thought of the continuum because it has relationship to that. Hmm. Oh gosh, I love everything you're saying right now. Yeah, yeah thanks. Okay, I'll look it up. So the question was um, Has Summer heard about in her library work and profession a way of archiving called the continuum, which, what is it, presages the Internet. Uh, unless I'm just saying, I wonder if this is like one of those uh, lore things that isn't true, but I don't think so. I think it, yeah, it sort of uh, foreshadowed a, a, the internet in a certain way. Mm-hmm. It was librarians trying to figure out how to archive materials so that the material all would continue to have relationship to each other as new material would come into an archive. Each piece in the archive had to somehow. That's mm-hmm. really fascinating. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. We do lore in church, so <laughs> that is good. We don't ask if it's true or not. <laughs> Historically true. Any other questions or comments? So Georgia is the name of your space, but it's also the name of your daughter. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering the significance of the name to you. Mm. Um, um, I... For Georgia, my child, uh, I knew a couple great Georgias. Um, And there's also this exquisitely beautiful surrealist poem called Georgia by Philippe Soupeau. Um, So that's kind of how she got that. And and I love this idea of... um, I love naming. And I hope everyone has a chance to name something, a creature or a person in their life. It is... It's just a real important kind of real human activity that's meaningful to me. Um, so naming that space, I was like, I don't know. And But thinking about naming things after your son, you know, your dad, you know, all this like masculine patriarchal naming conventions, you know, I thought naming after Georgia was kind of turning that a little bit on its head, and I enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, um, I also love to say, like, it's Georgia in Denver 
Like I like that mix of weird location. Like hmm. what is what are you talking about? It's a it's a space, it's a state, it's a country, you know. Oh my god. Um Yeah, I like that. Yeah, when Thanks. I was a kid I saw that I think it's Joseph Stalin is from Georgia. And I thought it was the state, not the country. Mm-hmm. I learned that <laughs> a couple of years ago. We'll take one more question or comment. Summer, I, I just wanted to say, this is more of a comment, but the experience of going to Georgia is very different from going to a normal you know, museum or a gallery. It's You kind of walk down this, especially if you're coming off an alley, you kind of walk down this urban, gritty alley, and you know, suddenly this space opens up, hmm. and there's all this art going on. And to experience it as part of the city, but then this this art right there, it kind of, I don't know, it's weird. It's almost like you've taken a wall off a gallery or something, and you just like walk in the back, and it all, you know, suddenly there's this you know hmm. art installation going on, and it's a very different experience. I, I just think it's such a cool space. It's not just seeing the art, but it's how you see the art. It's, it's really a great experience. Mm, thank you so much. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's really nice then to kind of break down some barriers there and blend it into the experience of a city. Yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. Thanks. Amazing. Let's give Summer a hand. Thank you so much. What I forgot to say earlier is that when people ask me how I choose guests for this podcast, it's usually after they've asked me what this podcast is about. After a year of hosting, I scarce can give a coherent answer, which is not surprising. Um, This podcast is one part general interest, one part politics, one part biblical hermeneutics, one part art, one part poetry. On every episode, our little community has sought to probe life's big questions around meaning, belonging, and existence. Have we found answers? No. Since Episcopalians are not too keen on cut and dry statements. But we have heard rumors of another world hidden just behind this one, suggesting to us that beyond, around, and between all things is a beauty and depth so powerful that it can only be absorbed one question at a time. And I am increasingly convinced that the rumors are true. Summer's work and the work of all of our guests are proof of that. Week in and week out at the Eucharist, month in and month out at this gathering, And year in and year out in our messy, complex lives, we are confronted with the materiality of Christian faith. Through the water we're immersed in at baptism, the bread and wine that are blessed, broken, and shared in settings intimate and not intimate, the wafts of incense our nostrils pump toward our brains, and the tears we shed in moments humorous, heartbreaking, and holy. We are also confronted with the reality that we awake every day to join God in crafting an ever more generous world, jammed with beauty, from mountains to alleys. Yes, I said alley. Malhai Theology is a production of St. John's Cathedral. 
an Episcopal community of faith in Denver that is welcoming and inclusive of all. I offer special thanks to our guest, Summer Browning, our audio engineer and cathedral communications director and photographer, Seth Reese, our cathedral administrator, Michelle Vieira, our caterers, Salvaggio's Deli, our theme music composer, Noah Glenn, and you, our loyal listeners and attendees. Thank you for making this first full year of Mile High Theology what it was, a circle of curious people not afraid to wrestle with the tough questions. Please rate and review Mile High Theology on iTunes and subscribe to the podcast on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you.